This is Bo Buchanan, Arizona Lodge number two, and I'm here speaking on the level with Mike DiGiacomo. Uh, Mike, I usually start out by asking uh, people, what's the, your home lodge and any titles or offices you have connected to that home blue lodge? Okay, um, uh, my home lodge is Arizona Lodge number two, um, and I am a past master of that lodge. And are you a member of any other Masonic organizations or lodges? I am a member of the uh, Saguaro Lodge number 45 and a the Shrine. The Shrine, okay. And when were you raised as a Mason? I believe I was raised in 2007. 2007, so... Eight years. Eight years, something like that? Okay. Eight years. All right. Going on nine, yeah. And do you remember, I, I usually like to ask, do you remember the first time you heard of this thing called Freemasonry? Actually, the funny thing is, is that like most people, I uh, was spurred by the um, uh, Nicolas Cage movies, the uh, um, National Treasure. National Treasure. Um, but I knew there was more than just that ridiculousness out there. <laughs> um, uh, and I started doing some research, and it happened to be that my father-in-law was a... Uh, at that time was a 50-year Mason. So you were already dating, you were already married to your wife, and then married, you found out? I found out that he was a, well, I knew he was a Mason. Okay. Um, but it really didn't spark my interest um, until there was something missing. Um, you know, I don't go to the bar. I don't go to um, out anywhere. I don't have a lot of um, uh, contacts when I, when I moved out here to Arizona. Um, so I was looking for some sort of brotherhood, fraternity, some sort of club. Um, and this, uh, I looked into Freemasonry, I looked into the Elks, I looked into um, all of the other um, fraternities out there, and um, they were either drinking or they were, um, or they were uh, not doing as much community service as I was looking to do. Um, so I focused down on Freemasonry because I liked its, its moral values and its, um, its concept as a, as a, uh, as a fraternity. And um, How long was that research period for you? Well, um, the funny thing is, is that uh, I asked uh, Roger, who was uh, my father-in-law, um, um, I asked him 18 years ago, yeah, going on 18 years ago, about Freemasonry and uh, him being an old Texan Mason, um, ex uh, explained to me that because I had a Catholic obligation, um, he hadn't been in Lodge for a while, so... <laughs> He was still stuck in the 1940s. He still listening to the Pope saying he can't yes, be a Mason. <laughs> exactly. So he was still back there when Catholics and Masonry did not agree. Um, he didn't realize that that was all taken care of. Um, and I didn't know. You know, I didn't know that there was an actual um, conciliatory agreement that everybody said, okay, no problem now. So for 10 years, I believed every time I asked him, I believed what he was telling me until I finally said, you know what, let me, let me really find out. And then I came down uh, to this temple and uh, talked to John Ruth. Uh, John Ruth is one of the uh, most informed and interesting Masons I've, I've ever met. Um, as I say, uh, he likes the sound of his voice. <laughs> but the good thing is, is that um, he, he speaks the truth. And he would always, always be honest with you. And um, he was all about masonry. He was all about um, whatever needed to be done for the positive effect towards masonry. And uh, that, really, uh, uh, that really touched me. Um, he uh, enabled me to work on this building while I was doing my six months 
in turn because I didn't know any Masons, and Roger, of course, wouldn't wouldn't uh, um, uh, vouch for me. Seriously? No. Uh, again, he he did not believe that there was any any agreement anymore. So was, ten years uh, you questioned you were looking into it. Ten and years. Wow. Ten years. Uh, and then I finally just came down to this lodge and. John and I, and he explained to me that, yeah, because my father-in-law has not been in uh, a lodge, a blue lodge, in probably 30 years. Um, he does not, uh, 30, 40 years, he did not understand that those things have changed. Plus, he was an old, stubborn Texan. So, you know, that's what you get. Um, uh, he was a good guy. Uh, that's what impressed me about him in masonry is that, you know, when he, he spoke about masonry, even though he was not involved with a reverence. So um, uh, I, that's what I wanted to pursue. And then I met John, and then I met a couple other guys. And, and as I said, I got to know this building um, intimately because um, I spent six months fixing it, and then I was the guy who fixed this building whenever something went wrong. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was my, uh, that was my initial um, uh, search into masonry. So what was, uh, what was it that attracted you to masonry and made you want to become a mason? Uh, the moral standards, um, uh, uh, no stabbing somebody in the back, um, no, uh, uh, no going after um, uh, uh, other things. Um, uh, everybody, no matter if you're a lawyer or a, a, a ditch digger, everybody looked at each other the same way. Um, and that, that was most attractive because um, there's just too much bias and too much... Um, bigotry and, and all of that stuff that's out there. Uh, and, uh, and there wasn't much of that in, this, in, in lodges in masonry. So how did you find uh, number, why number two? Um, uh, John Ruth, you know, it, was, it, it was uh, mm -hmm. back then, you know, back eight, eight years ago, you know, Google had all the information. Um, Google and, it, you found the building was Google close it, to I found, yeah, you know, closest Masonic lodge. And um, of course, Arizona lodge number two came up. Um, Saguaro didn't come up. Uh, Montezuma didn't come up because, you know, at that time, you know, you think of this building, you think Arizona number two. Um, and you're literally a stone's throw from right up the street. Yeah. So uh, this is the lodge that, and because it was a temple, it was a major focal point. Right. And uh, so, and as I said, I met John, and then I started coming to um, dinners and and uh, met a couple of the guys, and it um, it seemed to fit. Now you were you became worshipful master of number two, 2014. 2014. So you came in. What year did you come into number two? Uh, uh, 2007. 2007. So in a seven year straight, you must have gotten into the line pretty quickly. And uh, uh, yeah, actually, I was voluntold. Voluntold. Um, uh, back then, um, ebbs and flows of every lodge. The lodge was at a low point. Um, not many people were coming in uh, for whatever reason, busy lives and, and economy or whatever. And um, so there was a couple of empty chairs. And John pretty much said, you're interested, go sit in that chair over there. So uh, I, I was junior warden, um, uh, not junior warden, uh, junior steward. And there was no senior steward. Um, and then... Uh, you know, a couple of weeks or a month or so later, I, uh, I met Ravia, um, great guy. Uh, we became friends, um, and I forced him <laughs> to sit as junior steward as I sat as senior steward. 
Um, and then, you know, I, uh, I, every year it was funny. It's like, well, I don't want to do this anymore. It's like, Ray, come on with me. Come on. Come on, buddy. We can do this. We can do this. And uh, every year we learn something new and boom, 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 chair by chair by chair. We've worked our way up to the East and, uh, you know, that's the ultimate goal if nothing else. And, uh, it was fun. It was, uh, it was friendship and brotherhood. It was, it was good time. Now we interviewed, uh, Tim and Vic. Yeah. Um, who were in the kitchen now, and both of them tell me, I asked them you know, how they got started doing in the kitchen because they do everything in the kitchen now. But before them, it was you. Yeah. Tell yeah. me a little bit about that time. Um, well, you know, again, with John Ruth, um, he was the guy that was doing everything. He was the secretary. He was the treasurer. He was the, he was the contact guy. He was doing the funerals. He was doing the meals. Um, he was also um, secretary and whatever for two other lodges in the building because um, there was a low point in masonry at that point. So there wasn't a lot of guys coming in. So John was doing everything. Um, my father owned a restaurant. I watched what John had to do. He came down from his office to cook a meal or do whatever the best he can for food and then run back up into his office and get ready for the meeting. You know, so... Um, he was getting old, and after about, uh, I think, a year of watching this, I said, you know what, John, let me do this kitchen. And I took over the kitchen, and I started cooking, and, um, you know, not no offense, but we increased the, the quality of the meals, and, and more guys started showing up, and, uh, the, you know, the best way to a man's heart is through his stomach. So word got out that the food is um, better. Uh, you know, I don't want to say amazing. I don't be patting myself on the back, but it was pretty, um, darn, good. It was pretty darn good. <laughs> um, uh, the, the high point of, of, of learning how good my meals were is when Scottsdale Lodge challenged me to a cook-off. Ooh, yeah, really? they, they heard of my reputation and they're like, well, we have a good cook too. And so we're going to, we're going to challenge you. To, I'm like, oh, I'm not much for competition. Let's all just enjoy each other's company and food and, and we did that and um, and that was fun that was that was enjoyable because um, uh, we've always learned I grew up with people coming into the kitchen for um, uh, for camaraderie and and that's what I did uh, doors were always open somebody would walk in I say hey you want to help sure yeah, grab that you know this is how you dice this is how you slice this is how you julienne this is how you um, you know, this is how you chop. There's a difference between chopping and dicing. You know, people would learn something. Um, and I enjoyed teaching that, and, and people enjoyed um, making the food. So it was, it was a good time together. You, you mentioned John's name a couple of times, and one of the questions I always ask is, is, is there anybody to you that embodies the ideals of what we think of when we think of Freemasonry and, think, and you talked about the moral aspects? Are there people that you look up to and that really made a difference to you when you were coming in? Uh, yeah, there, um, there were two guys. One was John Ruth. Um, he, as I said, he did everything. Everything he did was for the betterment of Masonry and betterment for the Lodge. It's good or bad, whether you agree with it or not, the end product was to better the Lodge. Um, unfortunately, like people who know me for the same reason, sometimes the journey is not always as smooth, but the, it's a means to an end. This is the goal, um, either help or get out of the way. And that, that's, that's how he did it. Um, and what people didn't understand is that the end product, no matter how rough and gruff he made it, um, did advance the lodge, was for the best of the lodge. And then Ron Heck. Um, Ron um, is a big old 
um, Wilfred Brimley looking kind of guy. <laughs> That's a good way to yeah, describe him. Um, he's just, he's big. He's got the walrus mustache and uh, he's very soft spoken. He's a big old Marine. Um, we interviewed Ron. Yes. I, uh, you know, I, I visited him in the hospital a couple of times when he was having health issues. And he told me stories that uh, was like, you know, you think people tough mutter and, and, and skydiving and jumping and all that stuff is tough. No, no. He jumped out of helicopters blowing up. Okay. So, um, and you wouldn't know it because he's just calm and straight. And um, every once in a while he cracks a joke and laughs. He's got this great laugh. And um, yeah, he was he was definitely an influence as far as uh, um, uh, bringing me along. He was my mentor, also, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I picked him. Um, uh, the issue uh, with the lodge there is that um, they didn't understand the the focus of ma- of mentoring. Um, so I was told, yeah, go pick somebody. And it's like, how do you how do you pick a mentor? How do you know when you don't even know him? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I picked the one guy who was his calm and even and um, uh, interesting not so much unassuming but but um, complete opposite of you yes <laughs> not, not the complete opposite he's a jokester he's a funny guy um, but no he is um, uh, um, he was a presence yeah. without being allowed you know um, he, he was not as boisterous and boisterous as I am but he was a presence you can feel his presence he was very straight. He was very honest, and that's that's what I was looking for. So I picked him. And there's there, somebody else I always think of when I think of you because you've mentioned his name many times. Uh, Sam Lebo. Sam Lebo. Yes. Tell me about Sam. Um, Sam is a different type of representative Mason. Um, Sam is a actually he's more like me. He is a do everything Mason. Um, if you needed something done. Um, you said, Sam, can you? And before you even said what it was, he's like, yeah, sure, what is it? Just, yes, I'll do it. Um, of course, he was retired. You know, he was a widower. He had all the time in the world. But he he accepted any uh, request that was asked of him. Um, he did the parade. He did the, um, the ringing of the bells during Christmas for the uh, um, Salvation Army. Salvation Army. Um, uh, he, uh, he, he, uh, he was always, uh, did the Valentine's day party. Um, the, the thing, the Valentine's day party was his love because all year long he would go from garage sale to garage sale and buy little bears. He would actually collect throughout the year from Valentine's day to Valentine's day. He'd collect little bears and that's what, that was his thing. And he would put him in a coffee <laughs> mug and that would be. That would be people think. And Sam, Sam was the doer. Yeah, he, uh, he definitely. Uh, um, and that's where I um, learned um, to do things masonically. <laughs> Although I uh, don't do everything masonically. Um, but I, again, I'm more of a John Ruth. I get things done. The means uh, justifies the end. Um, but Sam is definitely, um, um, I wouldn't say the epitome of masonry, but he is the perfect example of Charity embodiment. He he will do anything and everything that is asked of him as long as it is within the bounds of masonry and morality. Um, and uh, um, uh, that was that was Sam. He's a, he was a great guy. Everybody knew him. Everybody loved him. 
I, I heard somebody once say he made a point to shake everybody's hand. He he had a grip like a <clears throat> like a, a, a Mack truck, just a vice. You made sure that your rings were off your hands <laughs> before you went to shake Sam's hand because he would crush your knuckles together and and probably unwittingly. I mean, he I don't he was older, didn't know how much. And he was a carpenter. He was a um, he he worked uh, he worked with his hands a lot, and he just had these bare hands that would crush you. And I'd be like, oh man. And of course, he was the resident hugger. If you brought your wife or your girlfriend or whoever, <laughs> any, I didn't know that. Oh yes, any female that came in. Because he was in his 70s and 80s. He was a cute little old guy. Um, and he uh, he was a lover. He just, you know, uh, there was nothing nothing uh, um, evil or, 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 or creepy about him. You'd walk up and all the ladies would be like, oh, Sam, you know, and, and that was Sam. He was, he was so, there was so much good flowing from him that you never felt threatened. So, and that was, that was always fun about Sam. But he always caught you off guard with that grip. What are some of the uh, things that, that are, you know, in your time that you've been involved here uh, in masonry, what are some of the things that have become near and dear to your heart, whether they be events or charities or anything like that, or the shrine or whatever whatever you do in masonry? Actually, the thing that I miss the most, because I, I moved over to another lodge and, and uh, um, uh, number two has, has grown um, uh, so much that there are enough people um, mentoring. I love mentoring. I think I mentored six guys in the eight years that I've been doing this. Um, and um, it's the, 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 um, the giving of knowledge, the passing on of, of a little thing you didn't realize what that meant. Um, uh, you, you, you're sitting there talking to somebody and you ask a simple question. And if they don't know the answer, you either, you either draw it out of them with their own thoughts, or you plant a seed which grows into the information that they're looking for. Um, uh, the, the, that was the good thing about mentoring is that you didn't, didn't have to have all the answers. You just had to understand how to impart that knowledge. Um, uh, one word could set you off on an hour and a half conversation. You know, um, I think that's what needs to be understood about masonry, uh, about mentoring is that it's not just teaching the ritual or teaching the, uh, um, uh, what's, what's it called, the um, catechism. It's not about the catechism. It's about the, the, the brotherhood. It's about the connection. Um, when you're a mentor, you become part of that person's life. Uh, all of my guys, all of the guys that I've mentored, I've had them come over to my house. They come over to my house. The first half an hour is us sitting down eating dinner. You know, I've made chicken or I've made sausage or whatever, a little, little, uh, little um, asparagus, garlic asparagus, something, food. You eat, you get to know each other, you're sitting at the table, you enjoy the time together. And then, oh yeah, by the way, let's, let's talk about masonry. And it's a word or a sentence or something. First thing I say, I don't even say, okay, let's get started. Do you have any questions? Let's start with your questions. And then what you don't understand will work into knowledge. And that was the fun thing. And I always did that with everybody. And um, uh, I think that's what you need to do as a mentor is to build a relationship, not just go over the information. And that's, uh, that's what I, I really enjoy about, uh, about the whole thing. You recently put together a service for your father-in-law's funeral, mm -hmm. a Masonic yeah. uh, 
Sir, might tell me a little uh, bit about that if that's not the Masonic funeral um, is a is a uh, represented representation of the reverence that we hold in the passing on of a brother. Um, he was 101. Uh, he was a 67 year Mason. Uh, there's not a lot of those. I've seen a couple of 70s, a lot of 50s, but 67 is 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 a, is a tough number to achieve. Um, and uh, the the ceremony is not so much. Um, you know, like um, your your Catholicism has a wake and then a funeral, and it's an end. I mean, they're pretty much checking to see if the guy's in a coffin. Yep, okay, he's dead. Make it sure. Um, and then they bury him the next day just to make sure he's done. Um, but uh, And it's an end, whereas in Masonry, um, there's a whole part with about the acacia sprig um, after the winters, uh, after the winters uh, have snows have passed, the sprig will rise again. So, so it is a continuance of life. It is not an end. It is a continuation that they're going to a better place. They're going to either, you know, their father's house, um, or they're 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 being re uh, um, reincarnated or something. Uh, in masonry, death is not an end. Death is the beginning of the next level. That's that's what the whole ceremony is about. Um, there's really nothing saying he's dead. We will miss him. And he's gone. No, he's past and he is moving on to this that that's the whole concept of the masonic funeral plus to show to show up at the funeral as brothers letting the family know that he was revered he was respected he was loved by the fraternity it wasn't just some place he left his family to go to every week or once a week or whatever these were guys who actually cared for him and cared enough to show up for his funeral to show the family um, how much they did care. I know a couple of people came up to you afterwards and told you they'd never seen anything like that and that that was pretty neat. Yes, yes, um, because they don't, uh, because they're not, um, they're not exposed to the concept of the next level. I mean, uh, unless you're Hindu or or you have a belief in reincarnation, um, most of your Western funerals are the end. <clears throat> you will be missed. His soul has gone to heaven, and that's it. He's no more. You know, here it is. You know, he will be moving on to whatever. He will be moving on to, you know, his next uh, purpose. Um, but uh, yeah, um, when people see, and that's why you try to make it as reverent as possible. As as um, you know, I've seen people do. I've seen people do a um, a funeral where they just read the words. You have to stop, and you have to um, you have to express yourself in the words, or people just think you're you just up there talking. So, can you remember a, a memory or a funny story or something, I guess, of your time in Masonry that really stands out to you? Something that, that means a lot to you? I'll st- and while you think about it, I'll tell you that something I always think of. I don't know why this stuck in my head, but I remember when you became worshipful master, you gave all your guys a the officers a pair of socks. A pair of socks. And you always wore different color socks and yes. different color vests, yes. depending on the holiday or what, kind of what was going on. Well, what I like to do is, uh, um, uh, the, way I, the way I go through life is that I take the best qualities, habits, or, or quirks from people that I meet that makes me go, hmm, that's interesting. Um, there was a time I met you, and um, we, were, we were right along, and you finished the bottle of 
water in the car, and then you crumple it up <laughs> in a ball. Don't tell me you do that now. I do that. <laughs> you crumple it up in a ball, but the thing was is that it's not the fact that you crumple it up in a ball, because if you let it go, it turns back to a bottle. You put the cap back on, right. and it stays crumpled in a ball. It takes less space in the recycling can. But that's what I'm saying. It's like, <laughs> wow. So there's that and, and just any number of things. Like Anthony, um, uh, when I first met Anthony, he, um, he's, he's a literalist. So he says, neither. Not neither. Neither is American. The word is neither. It's an English word. It's neither nor. Um, and, uh, and I started saying neither. Interesting. You know, so I try, to, um, I try to take the best quirks from people. Um, uh, and, and and implement them in my life because if if that works for them and I haven't thought of that it's like hey you know what that uh, that's interesting it's called we'll learning that. Huh? With learning it's learning but but it's not so much learning it's actually um, implementing it because you can learn something and go yeah I, I remember doing it yeah. it's actually putting and making <clears throat> it part of your life so so every little thing that I get from somebody and I implement it in my life that then reminds me of that person every time I do it. So you never forget so you think people. of me every time you crush something. Actually, <laughs> seriously? Yes, I do. Okay. Seriously, I do. And it's crushing that bottle and putting that cap on. I'm like, thanks, Bob. I got, I got so much more room in my truck. <laughs> but yes. So, um, the, so, so the socks, did that come from someone then? Um, I don't know if this is a good story or a bad story. Um, I uh, Ben. Uh, ben Passman uh, came to Lodge, used to come to Lodge a lot before he moved to Texas. He used to wear red socks and purple socks. And I'm like, Ben, those are great. Where'd you get those? Um, and he told me, and I'm like, you know what? That is a good expression of an individuality without being crazy. Okay. Now, the reason why I wear the colored vests is because it's Valentine's Day, or it's Christmas, or it's St. It's Patrick's Day. You know, that's, that's fun, but it's under a jacket, so not much is being shown. But your socks, people expect you to have black socks. Okay, and the master that year was not a happy, not a happy camper with me wearing all these crazy socks. Uh, so he made me actually change them, uh, uh, change them, and then, and then, made me stand up and show the lodge that I put on his <laughs> um, So at that, that point right there, I vowed the day I become master, everybody will receive red striped socks. <laughs> and, that's cool. what I, and that's what I did. That's, that's a good story. Because, um, because we're not here to, to, to quash individuality. We're not here to um, overthrow or, or make things how I want them and that's how it's going to be. We're here to... To, to nurture and to, to uh, accept everybody's crazy quirks, not in a violent way, not in a threatening way, um, and, and, and we're, we're here to, to nurture, you know. We get in fights, we yell at each other, we call each other's names and all that good stuff, and that slowly ends, unless, of course, it's really severe, and, you know, there are brothers that no longer talk, and... That's the same thing as family. Family's family. Brotherhood is brotherhood. Um, so, but uh, um, but self-expression is what I believe. You know, as long as you're not hurting anybody, harming anybody, or 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 disrespecting anybody, it's all good. You know, I've heard stories. Uh, um, Ed Benedicto told me a story once. He he used to be the grand lecturer. He told me a story when he was 
he, when he was a worshipful master, he would get up there, he'd open up the lodge, and then he'd swing his leg over one of the arms and go, so what's up, guys? Okay, now you want to you wanna talk about... Hey, Vic, we're still up here. Uh, you want to talk about uh, uh, people thinking about disrespect. That was always a good one. We done? So I guess I'd just say, you know, in closing, do you have any closing thoughts or anything you'd want to leave people with? No, no, it's uh, it's been a uh, it's been a wonderful ride, and I hope that I'm uh, I make another twenty twenty thirty years out of it. We're getting buzzed out of here, so we got to go. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. Thanks, Mike. Thank you.